Welcome to the amazing history of sports. Hello, welcome back and happy holidays. My name is Tommy Craig. I'm joined by Don DeRoos. And on today's episode of the amazing history of sports, we're going to continue with the theme of American football history and talk about the Heisman Trophy. That's right, Tommy. As a gift to our listeners today, we're going to bring them uh, the history of where that pose came from and why the heck the trophy is called the Heisman Trophy in the first place. So that and more on today's episode of The Amazing History of Sports. Stay tuned. Baby. Bada bing, bada boom. Woo. Talking baseball, baby. Baseball facts here, boys. <laughs> oh, Brooklyn Dodgers. Dodgers, 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 baby. <laughs> oh, we are back, though, folks. We've been a long break, but we are ready to bring you some more sports history. Your third favorite podcast. Third is now favorite back. for sure. <laughs> yes. You better be subscribing, too. So, old TC Gator and I are. Ready to talk more sports? It's It feels really great to be back, Don. We had a little bit of a hiatus to all of our dedicated listeners out there. We do apologize. Life happens sometimes, and we just had to, to work through a couple things, and we're both ready to rock and roll with this and are extremely excited for some things that we have going on moving forward. Yes, definitely. And we are uh, committed to being back on a con- uh, consistent basis, I should say, and this time we are brought to you by uh, an affiliation with, I should say, BellyUpSports.com. Tommy and I are both going to be contributing to their website. Go check them out. It's BellyUpSports.com. Uh, we're also going to be providing a weekly Tahoe's article, aren't we, Tommy? Yes, super excited for that. You know, get to give some give get to give some uh, subjective opinions on things and see what our think our listeners think of what we've got to say. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're both experts, right? I mean, both of our Super Bowl picks and national title picks are in play, huh? Yeah, not uh, not as glorious for the <laughs> college football Final Four for me, but, you know, I got to give some credit to Don over here, okay? Don uh, did a really good job with his picks, you know, give credit where credit is due. He picked in the, uh, one of our previous episodes, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and OU. So he was four for four. So I'll give you a little round of applause. That well, was thank a, you, thank you. that was a really good job. I unfortunately picked Washington and Wisconsin to be in the final four, and both of them, uh, you know, did not did not perform the way I expected them to. <laughs> they did not. They did not. But we we still have both of our national title matchups in play. So you went chalk all the way. You went uh, Bama Clemson. However, you picked the upset there, which, oh, huge upset, two over one, but nonetheless, it's an upset. (laughs) I got Clemson winning. Yeah, and I picked the 
Heisman Trophy winner. Little uh, foreshadowing there for our listeners. <laughs> uh, Kyler Murray to beat Bama and also Clemson. Beat, actually, yeah, beat Clemson too. Yeah, so the way beat it's going to work. Then Clemson. I mean, they're going to have a, a long road ahead of them if they win it. But if they beat those two teams, obviously they're absolutely deserving. We'll see what happens. I'm excited. At least that both of us have a chance. Yeah, and if if that happens, you absolutely need to go write a review right this second because you're listening to. Uh, basically Miss Cleopatra of sports right here. <laughs> oh, God. I can see your head exploding over there. Oh, I my know, right? God. <laughs> I need to put some money on it, right? <laughs> but pro picks, we were not near as uh, as uh, accurate on those, right? Yeah. The, well, the, some... N- the NFL picks, we did good on some. We did bad on some. Uh, at the end of the day, we both have our, our Super Bowl picks. I've got the Saints going all the way, as does Don over here. We do have different matchups. I had uh, I had good old Jacksonville <laughs> making the playoffs and making to the Super Bowl. Oh, Jags. Oh, man. Obviously, that was a really great decision. I uh, got to pat myself on the back for that one. Um, and old Don over here had the Steelers playing uh, the Saints with the Saints winning. So his teams are still in it. I've got one. You know, it's like a, uh, you know, uh, a Final Four bracket. It, the, the biggest winner is the, the final one. So with, uh, without any of that in mind, if you had to re-pick right now, who's your Super Bowl matchup and winner? I still got the Saints, man. I, I think the Saints are. I, I think the Saints are bossy. Obviously, my pick in the AFC is going to change a little bit. I believe that uh, old San Diego Philip Rivers is gonna is gonna do some work here in the playoffs, and uh, you know, hopefully for my pick's sake, that he's able to pa- surpass the Kansas City Chiefs and and win the AFC West. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm really torn. If I had to re-choose right this second without any of that knowledge in mind, I would I would actually pick the Chiefs and Cowboys in the Super Bowl. And uh, Homer. It was going to come around at some point. <laughs> at some point, right? <laughs> but I, I'm, uh, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid right now, and I'm really guilty of it. And I'm also How guilty. How did it feel getting shut out by the Colts? Well, you know, I kind of, <laughs> I didn't see us getting shut out. But if you go back and look at that game, we had plenty of chances to score points. Regardless, I am also guilty of after the Tennessee game when we lost in Monday Night Football. I was actively rooting for us to lose, Tommy. And I wanted Jason Garrett and Scott Linehan out ASAP. And now, you know, it's a really tough position to be in, right? When your team, you really do want your, you want change, but you also want to win when they're winning. So, I mean, that's exactly how I feel. You can imagine where my emotions have been during this football oh, yeah. season. I, the Broncos were three and six. I was like, let's just lose the rest of them. Let's right? get rid of Vance Joseph and let's start anew. And then he has this streak. And then we have our two you know, biggest producers on offense and defense and Chris Harris and Emmanuel Sanders go out and you have nothing but, you know, a bunch of rookie players trying to make things happen. So I'm very optimistic about the future, though. The fact that the games that we have lost, we've been extremely competitive in with a mediocre quarterback at best. (laughs) You know, things things are looking good in the future as long as we can find a damn play caller. Yeah, maybe a quarterback too, but (laughs) (laughs) I I was kind of referring to that, but uh, yeah, right. Okay, there we go. (laughs) Old Case Keenum, sorry, but uh, you had your chance, Bucko, and it's time to go. Yeah, maybe an OC and a quarterback, but nonetheless, today we're we're here to actually talk about college football, and we're here to talk about the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, so Kyler Murray, if you guys don't know, won the Heisman Trophy this year. He did. He did. As much as it kills me to say, you know, first time ever a college has had back-to-back quarterbacks win the Heisman, and understandably so. Usually you're going to have a, 
you know, a freshman or a sophomore that was redshirted coming in there after a Heisman just won, right? Yeah, that's that's the truth. But it's not the first time that teammates have won back to back. But we'll get that. When, in, oh, really? We'll get, we'll get into that okay. here in a little bit. We'll save that then. So the Heisman Trophy, Tommy, is not for the best player in the country, nor is it for the most valuable player in the country. What's it for? It's for the most outstanding player in the country. Outstanding? Yes, outstanding. As is the AP Player of the Year Award. They're both for the quote-unquote most outstanding player of the year in college football. The Maxwell and Walter Camp Trophy, or awards, I should say, or are recognized for the best player in the country. And then the Archie Griffin Award is recognized for the most valuable player in the country. But no, no doubt the Heisman holds the highest honor of all these awards. Yeah, you could win all four of the other awards, and if you didn't win the Heisman, nobody's going to remember your name. Nobody cares. Nobody, nobody remembers who won the Archie Griffin Award or the Maxwell Award, right? You know, you know it, it's a good pat on the back for the player, and yeah. deservingly so. Those players deserve to sit there and congratulate themselves and their teammates for such a good season. But again, they're not going to go down in the history books as somebody who is remembered um, in comparison to the person who won the Heisen, Heisman. And you have had multiple times in history where people have won the AP award, but didn't win the Heisman and vice versa. Exactly. Yeah. So th- there's a lot more factors that go into the Heisman trophy and there's a lot more voting that goes into it as well. It's much more widespread. Yeah, absolutely. So the the way that the Heisman is voted for, for those of you who don't know, you have three different categories of voters. The first is the media. Okay, right. so the the media it has a total of eight hundred and seventy total votes. Uh, they break it up with one hundred and forty five voters between six different regions. And a lot of these guys are local sports writers. If you listen to Most local of talk, them are, yeah. yeah, if you listen to local talk radio, there's a there's a good probability that somebody you listen to on the radio votes for a Heisman trophy winner. Yeah, and you can't just be anybody. They have to you have to have an unbiased view that you have to be respected within the community. So there are some guidelines in order to be a voter, but they want to make sure that it's unbiased and that's why they put in 870 different people's votes so that way it's not you know region bias or or anything like that so you'd have to buy a lot of votes to swing it right yeah (laughs) i mean respectfully so it should be something that can't be can't be bought right exactly you know and everybody's going to have their their differing opinions and this is a way to make it all fair so you have your 870 media votes and then you have previous Heisman winners. Okay. Yep. So this is Kirk, what I think is awesome about this it. is, this is great. You know, they, they have an opportunity to continue, you know, continue the Heisman legacy and to be a part of it, which I think is awesome. And they're at the ceremony as well when it gets presented. So they very much so keep a guy, a part of the, uh, a part of the ceremony, you know? Yeah. And, and I thought it was pretty cool that, you know, sometimes they don't have, sometimes the, the previous players don't vote you know, for one reason or another, but they don't become disqualified if they don't vote. So it just goes into that own pool, but it still only counts as a single vote. It's not like these are weighted uh, between the Heisman winners and the media. It's a collective number of votes, which makes it fair. What um, if they decline to uh, 
be in a commercial? Are they <laughs> are they then disqualified from the vote or is that? Oh God, you're so stupid. <laughs> Those are my favorite commercials. They, they are. <laughs> I know you love them, Don. So uh, the third category of people are the fans. Now, now what they do is they have a popular mo- vote amongst the fans, but the popular vote only counts for a single vote. So it can't sway the. Uh, sway the voting. You can't go to your school and all your friends and blast it on social media and you know get this popular vote, among, <laughs> you know, amongst the country and say I'm the I'm the Heisman winner. So it keeps it fair. It keeps people who know what they're voting for and who have no bias set it, uh, you know, within the system. Um, yeah, you know, I mean that's maybe more just to get some fan buy-in, right? To yeah, get ex- some more interest to involved. make you feel like you had a part of it. Oh, I voted. I I, I voted for Kyler Murley. Yeah, right. Murray. <laughs> Murray, Murley, Murley, Kyler Murray. Say that yeah. ten times fast, right? Um, so, so obviously, when they vote, they try to be as unbiased as possible, and they have three votes in total. Okay, so each person gets to choose their top top three candidates, and then rank them in descending order. All right, and so yeah, that's why you hear about first place, second place votes, and and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. So it's pretty pretty straightforward how they've set up the voting structure, but I think it's definitely the most fair um, in comparison to like the AP poll, which is obviously coaches who go through and, and vote for the Heisman and who they believe it is, which is really cool because you get acknowledged by coaches. But again, this is the you know this is the most unbiased way to vote for a uh, a Heisman winner. Yeah, I totally agree, Tommy. But we are here to talk about the Heisman Trophy itself. So where did it come from? Who's, who's making that pose, TC? Everybody are, wants to know. Everybody wants to know. And we're about to tell them right now. So the Downtown Athletic Club. This was a prestigious athletic club at the time. And they wanted to, they wanted to make an award to recognize the most valuable college player east of the Mississippi. And uh, so, so they contracted a guy named Frank, Frank Aliskew. He was an NYU sculptor. He was a professor there as well to uh, sculpt the award. And he had to find somebody to pose for his award. Yeah, so he recruited Mr. Ed Smith. Ed Smith. Ed Smith was never a Heisman Trophy winner. He really had nothing to do with the Heisman. And the funny thing is... He didn't even know that he was posing for the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, he had absolutely no idea. This is a really crazy fact. So Ed Smith in 1935 was asked to pose for the sculpture, right? So he put on a football pose. I think they even said that he had like an old jersey or something um, that like from his youth that he was wearing when he posed for it, right? So he didn't find out until 1982 that the pose was used for the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, so 48 years later, he went 48 years of this award being recognized for the most outstanding player in the, in the, in the uh, U.S. in college football, and he had no idea that he was the face of it. Yeah, and he, the only reason that he found out was because a reporter who had found, you know, some information, you know, among some articles and whatnot, 
from the athletic club where he was like, I want to interview this guy. I want to see what he thinks about yeah, it. For he a was completely shocked and just what? Like that was what the pose was for. So uh, I thought it was kind of cool that they ended up giving him a, tr- a Heisman trophy of his own in 1985. Obviously he wasn't a Heisman trophy winner at that point, but it was more of a, you know, commemorative type of, uh, you know, congratulations, here you go, thanks for posing type of deal. Yeah, this random NYU running back would be the face of the most outstanding player. Yes, he did play football. football. He did play football. He did this play was football. not just some random guy. But uh, And you say he was recognized in 85, or in 86 he was actually recognized at the ceremony. He said to the finalist, whoever wins the award, I feel sorry for you. Because you're going to have to look at my ugly face for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty pretty funny thing. So the trophy itself, um, if anybody cares, is cast out of bronze. It's about 13 and a half inches tall, 14 inches long, and 16 inches wide. It weighs about... They couldn't tw- go gold? Couldn't go gold with oh, it, you wow. know? It's, it's not quite the professionals, right? You couldn't quite go to that elite status. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so the, the uh, award, the trophy itself weighs about... 25 pounds. 25 pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for a college football player, that's nothing. It's a pretty solid piece of hardware to, to have in your home. Yeah. So the first ever Heisman wasn't even called the Heisman, Tommy. Correct. It was called the DAC Trophy, the Downtown Athletic Club Trophy, kind of like we just said earlier. And uh, it was given out on December 9th, 1935. So we're, we just passed the anniversary of it. <laughs> and it went uh, this this award this prestigious award first time went to Jay Berwanger of Chicago University. Yeah, and this was still for the most valuable college player east of the Mississippi. This only lasted one year. We'll get into that in a second, but yeah, Jay Berwanger. I mean, he was a jack of all traits, if you will. He ran, he passed, he punted, he blocked, he tackled, he kicked off, kicked PATs. Return punts, return kickoffs. I mean, he, he, was, the, every, he was the J of all trades. He, yeah, there you <laughs> go. All right. Didn't see that one coming. But, yeah, I mean, he had nicknames of Genius on the Gridiron, the One Man Team, a.k.a. LeBron, uh, the Flying Dutchman, and the Man in the Iron Mask. And that's because he wore a special face guard to protect his face after he broke his nose twice. It's, you got you to gotta protect that beautiful face. You do. I also found it interesting that he was the only Heisman Trophy winner to uh, give a bloody nose to a president. Did you see that? Oh, no, I did yeah. not. Elaborate. Yeah, so Gerald Ford, President Gerald Ford, was going to tackle him in 1934, and Berwanger <laughs> ran his ass over. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my him, God. Yeah, gave him a scar. And <laughs> Gerald Ford even said, uh, as even as he was president, that that scar on his face was from Jay Berwanger when he played football. So pretty crazy, huh? That's a cool, cool, interesting fact for all of you Tahoe's fans out there. Yeah, but the another interesting fact, he was the first ever player drafted in the NFL draft. No way. Yeah, and he never played an NFL game. He uh he had his rights traded to the Bears and he uh he was too expensive for him. So I mean, I think it was, he was asking like $34,000 or something <laughs> like that. I read it. I, I didn't write it down, but yeah. And they weren't willing to give it to him. So. Yeah, so so now we know, you know, what the Heisman Award is. We know what the trophy, you know, kind of looks like. Uh, I would highly encourage you guys to pause the episode. If you don't know what it looks like, just take a, po- 
take a quick look at it. Um, it's a very iconic pose, and anybody who's ever played football has you know done it to their friends or said that I Heisman you in practice at some point. So um, check it out. But um, obviously, uh, Frank Aliscu and Ed Smith and all of these other guys we've talked about um, are not named Heisman. So, yeah, and for everybody that thought it was Desmond Howard that made the that was on the Heisman Trophy, it's not. He just had a. He just it just so happened to perfectly emulate the pose. Yeah, right. So, um, but yeah. So what we want to do is we're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to get into um, you know the naming of it. Why is it called the Heisman? So we're going to give you guys uh, plenty of information here on Mr. John Heisman, who is a football genius and. Uh, a lot of the rules and things that are in place today within football, we can contribute to him. So um, stay tuned, and we'll be back in the second half to talk about Mr. John Heisman. All right, welcome to the break, everybody. Uh, Tommy and I are going to switch it up a little bit, and since this episode is coming out on uh, Christmas Eve to to some, obviously, but December twenty fourth, nonetheless, we're going to talk about some of our favorite things about the holidays, and obviously, spending time with family and friends is very important. We're going to exclude the cheesy, sentimental stuff and talk about some some things that are maybe. A little bit more personal to to TC and I, so yeah, you, you know, start us off and we'll just kind of go from there, bro. Yeah, you know, the holiday season for a long time for me was something that I didn't look forward to because Why? I worked in retail. Oh, exactly, bro. So you I'm were, still in that boat. I mean, <laughs> off and on, but yeah, you know, luckily you're you know you're not full time with it, and uh, hopefully you get a little bit of time off to spend with your family and friends during the season. But yeah, in retail it's really hard because you spend a lot of time. So I for eight years. I associated the holiday season with just nothing but negativity and a lot of work and listening to too many uh, too many Christmas songs from Thanksgiving on. But uh, as far as my favorite thing, you know, being out of retail now and getting to enjoy it with my family and friends, uh, it's the food. I love, love the food during the holiday season. Everybody's cooking up cookies and, you know, it obviously starts with Thanksgiving and it gets everybody in that mood to start baking and you've got treats everywhere and I just absolutely love it. And then it, you know, gets, you get a little bit fat during that six week period and then it gives you some motivation going into the new year to One uh, like hot chocolate. (laughs) I feel like hot chocolate sales skyrocket during the holidays because it's basically the only time I drink hot chocolate. Tremendous sales. Oh my goodness. Maybe some whipped cream or marshmallows on top, whichever you prefer, you know? Oh, you've got to add a little little spice to it, maybe a little cinnamon (laughs) in there. Ooh. Right. Have you ever uh, gotten the honey baked ham store ham? Oh, of course, of Dude, course. Yeah, my mom, my mom gets bro. that nearly every year for Thanksgiving, oh and it god. is unreal. My god, we have that a store is, like that's four truth, blocks bro. from our house, which is like the greatest thing in the Dude. world. I might, I might buy it more than once a year. I just thought that the quote unquote honey baked ham was like literally something that every single household had growing up. (laughs) I didn't realize that it was something you actually went to a specific store to buy. I thought it was just honey baked ham, you know? It was just part of the spread. (laughs) But yeah, 
Dude, I'm really a sucker for holiday lights, honestly. I, I love oh. decorations. When I see a, a house tricked out, I'm like, wow. Not only do they spend a lot of money, they put a lot of time and effort into it, but some of the threads that, that in, incorporate music and, you know... Oh, uh, you know there. You know there's people out there who go absolutely nuts with this right? stuff. I saw a, I saw a cool video online where they did the Drake song. Oh, Sick the Astro mode World? With, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> on, the, on the on uh, the on the garage with the lights and Dude, the lyrics going Scott? on with it. Yeah. yeah, that was that was super cool. People get creative. People love this time of year. You know, my my family typically will deck out their house, and you know we uh, we got into the Christmas spirit this year. I saw you did at your house, Donnie. You know, I saw that you had a bunch of yeah. uh, lights and a big nine bear foot, up front nine <laughs> foot nine foot santa claus so you know you know which house is mine when you pull up for sure yeah i love it i love it holiday season it's a it's a great time of year oh yeah dude i love i love the gifts too everybody does right i mean you can't you can't be mad about it it's like while you're <laughs> while you're spending money on gifts you're like i'm gonna get gifts back too so. yeah you're basically investing the money into what you would buy yourself you know you got to be very strategic you know we're both almost 30 now so when we're asking for gifts it's obviously a lot more practical and right. not tonka toys and right <laughs> exactly Maybe some gift cards here now, but yeah, gas gift cards, grocery gift cards, you know the essentials. <laughs> <laughs> nice, dude. Well, that's all we got. We just wanted to switch it up a little bit. Maybe uh, you know, not be so sports oriented on this break, perhaps. But yeah, happy holidays to everybody, and hope you enjoy the second half of the half of the show here. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the break this week. We are going to finish off the second part of this episode by talking about John Heisman and why he deserved to have this prestigious award named after him. So, you know, without further ado, why don't you take it over, TC Gator? Yeah, so Mr. John W. Heisman, he was born in 1969 in Cleveland. He grew up in Titusville, Pennsylvania, in the oil fields. And as a kiddo, um, he played a uh, what you would call a hodgepodge mix of rugby and soccer. Um, and I would definitely refer back to the History of American Football episode. If you don't know about uh, the influences of rugby and soccer, it's a great episode and it's been very popular amongst uh, a lot of our other listeners. But Yeah, I mean, uh, it makes a lot of sense that he got so into football and he grew up on rugby and soccer. Those were definitely the origins of, of American football. Exactly. So, um, so he grew up playing kind of a, you know, obviously a mixture of rugby and soccer. And then in 1887, at the age of 17, uh, he attended Brown University, and he, uh, at Brown, he played um, a form of club football. Um, obviously, it's not going to be the modern-day football, but, you know, definitely a, uh, you know, a, a variation of it. And then, ninth, and, excuse me, 1889, he transferred to the University of Pennsylvania to pursue his law degree. Um, and he also uh, played as a uh, lineman primarily on their football team. Um, fun, fun little fact. He was a lineman. Yeah, he was a lineman. So he, if you look at linemen today, you know, you typically think of, you know, probably six, two to six, six, you know, in the two eighty to three thirty range, he was five foot eight and 158 pounds. So the game has obviously evolved a ton, uh, a ton since then. But uh, he you know what else is funny is that 
all these colleges that founded American football are in the Ivy League, and the Ivy League's basically trash. Non- yeah, it's non-existent <laughs> in college football nowadays. It's, it's yeah, it's, I found that laughable. Yeah, so uh, so he played football, you know, at, at, at but in it was, college and whatnot. It was all the smart guys, right? So it was all the leave smart it up guys to the smart guys to to create it, and then let the athletes, you yeah. know, excel, right? Exactly. <laughs> so uh, so. Um, now we get into his kind of his coaching career. So um, it's kind of funny. He actually was almost killed in uh, 1892 because he was struck by lightning. And a fun little fact, he actually ended up uh, almost losing his eyesight at that time. So he had to take all of his exams for his finals um, orally. Now so he, you're telling me this could have been called the Burwanger Trophy? Possibly? <laughs> it could have absolutely <laughs> been the Burwanger Trophy. <laughs> Burwanger winner this year. The, the Walter Camp Award, you know? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> The Heisman just has this ring, yeah, this dude. beautiful ring to it, right? Sounds so prestigious, right? The Heisman. <laughs> exactly. But uh, but right after he graduated, um, Heisman ended up receiving his first uh, coaching position, which was at Oberlin College. Oberlin. Oberlin. Sounds like a community college. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been. Who knows? Right. But, uh, but in his first year of coaching, he actually ended up leading the team to an undefeated seven-win season. So he was like the Sean McVay of his time, basically. He was. Okay. You know, he, was he was very revolutionary, as we say. All right. So uh, That's then, not the only place he coached, though. No, not at he all. Played, he coached at a, a number of places. Yeah, uh, including Auburn, Clemson, the University of Pennsylvania, Washington, Jefferson, uh, uh, wa- excuse me, Washington and Jefferson University, Georgia Tech, and then uh, Rice is where he ended, uh, ended his career. And you say Clemson there, the coolest thing I read about him is that he still has the highest winning percentage for both football and baseball. Dabo's got something to... I know, <laughs> so right? He needs a few undefeated seasons Where under Where you his at, belt. Dabo? <laughs> John Heisman, bro. He's still killing you. Right. Now, uh, now, his most impressive stint as a coach was with Georgia Tech between 1914 and 1919. Uh, where he was actually able to coach his team at some point to a 33 straight win, um, winning streak. Did you see the uh, the uh, Did you see the stories about when he was coaching Georgia Tech? Uh uh-uh. uh So he was supposed to play. Man, who was he playing in Atlanta? Um, oh, I'm sorry. He was actually close, coaching Clemson at this time, and uh, he was going to. He was going to play Georgia Tech in Atlanta, and he sent a he sent his JV team into Atlanta to party and get drunk the night before, and everybody thought that it was his actual team. So it was basically a decoy that he sent to get drunk, and then they thought they were going to have an easy game the next day, and he went out there and <laughs> killed them. Oh my goodness! Right? <laughs> yeah, there was a there was a game um, that he played, uh, and I can't remember what the name of the college was. I apologize, but he was at halftime. His team was winning, and again, I apologize. I can't That's remember at, what the uh, name Cumberland. was. Cumberland, Cumberland. Yeah. He was playing. Yes, they so won was, twenty two twenty two to nothing. Yeah, yeah. at yeah. halftime it was one twenty to nothing, and That's in his when halftime he was speech, Georgia Tech. yeah, Georgia Tech, yeah, and, and uh, in his speech at halftime he said, "Hey, we don't know what these boys are capable of, so I want you to go out there and hit him in the mouth." And I want you to show them what we're made of still uh, and not let down. And to defeat a team at, you know, in the 200s is just unfathomable in football oh, yeah. nowadays. I mean, we had, a, you know, two teams in the 50s, you know, in the NFL game just a few weeks ago. And that was 
all, you know, everybody was all gung ho about it. And we want this to be the Super Bowl matchup. And he doubled that <laughs> for his own team and shut out the other team. So obviously he was really, really good at coaching. But um, well, that, you know, and he also he ran up the score to make a point at the time because they they factored in points four at the time for national title or national champion. Yep. And so he, he thought that was dumb because, you know, obviously, you know, you, you don't have any control over how many points the other, other team scores that you're not playing. So yeah, he did that as a point. One cool stat I thought in that game or one cool stat I found in that game, I should say is that uh, Georgia tech Heisman's team had 622 yards rushing (laughs) Cumberland, you know, they squeaked out, Negative 96 yards rushing on 27 carries. So <laughs> if you had anybody on Cumberland on your fantasy team that day, <laughs> he scored in the negatives for sure. <laughs> oh, my God. Negative three yards a carrier is That's so bad. <laughs> right? Yeah, they're averaging negative three yards a carry. <laughs> you might as well just have your quarterback kneel every play and then punt it at that point. Isn't that kind of ironic, though, that the Heisman's named after John Heisman and he... He wasn't exactly the finest sportsman yeah. in the world. I mean, you know, he, he did he did things to prove a point. You know, and and as a as a That's person worse who than was Buddy Ryan, bro. Yeah, but as a person who's you know trying to revolutionize the game, somebody who's trying to change the rules, like sometimes you just got to make a point. You know, and That's it's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you got to do what you got to do. So don't don't make a point system. You know, be one of the one of the factors that contributes to a national championship. You know, uh, the way that they have it set up today is obviously much much better. But um, in 1927, John decided that he was going to retire from coaching uh, at that point. Um, and he was 186, 70, and 18 in his coaching record. So, uh, you know, very, very, very uh, good and proficient at what he was doing as a coach. So now we look into the retirement side of things. So once he retired, um, he he definitely stayed involved with football and as a sport. Um, he uh, spent a lot of his time writing articles for various magazines and publications, and he also served as an advisor for uh, various football teams as well as uh, different publications. And on night, uh, excuse me, on May twenty third, nineteen thirty, he was named the first director of the Downtown Athletic Club in New York City. And this is kind of where it ties into them eventually naming the trophy after him. He was. He was very high thought of in this downtown athletic club, and the downtown athletic club was a prestigious club at the time. So yeah, and in the uh, you know for the nineteen thirty five thirty six season, uh, he, the organization, the club, really really wanted to come out with an award for the best college player. And most outstanding. Most outstanding, right? Now, John, at first, was actually very reluctant well, I guess it and was very hesitant for to to join and to 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 make this uh, a reality because he thought that football was such a team sport. You couldn't pick out a single individual because you had two different sides of the ball. And he was just extremely reluctant to, to bring this on. But after some, uh, you know, conversation and probably a little, uh, a little nudging from the, the directors, he decided to, to give it his blessing and said that he was willing to move forward with the award. And to Mr. Heisman's point, I mean, a lot of times when you look at, a Heisman winning trophy, uh, Heisman Trophy winning player, they have other NFL caliber players around them. I mean, you look at recent players like Baker Mayfield. I mean, he had D.D. Westbrook as a wide receiver who's playing in the NFL. He had 
what's his face, uh, Joe Mixon as a running back who's playing in the NFL. So he had plenty of talent around him. It's very seldom truly one player, but nonetheless, you recognize one player as being the most outstanding. Yeah, and the way that it's kind of evolved, you know, in the last 30 years or so is that it is kind of players who are on the top tier teams you know it's uh you hardly ever see a player win the heisman whose team is out of the top 10 let alone out of the top 25 rankings in the country but everyone is eligible at the same time everybody is everybody who plays college football is technically eligible for the for the heisman trophy award yeah but much like the college football rankings a lot of factors go into it so if you're playing against uh, garbage teams then you're not going to get a lot of uh you know credibility Exactly. So, you know, in in 1935, like we talked about earlier, uh, the first Downtown Athletic Club award went to Jay Berwinger of Chicago University. Um, And then from there, uh, we look at the transition into the Heisman Award. So a couple things happened in 1936. Um, The unfortunate and sad thing that happened was uh, John Heisman passed away from pneumonia on October 3rd. Um, And as a way to honor his name, the DAC officers voted to rename the Downtown Athletic Club Award to the the Heisman Memorial Trophy, okay? Um, Also, that year when they voted for the award, they also decided to expand it to the uh, west of the Mississippi, uh, west of the Mississippi as well. Yep. Yeah, so Jay Berwanger was the only person that actually won it when it was the DAC Award, when it was east of the Mississippi, uh, and then they expanded it the next year, as they should, and if they wouldn't have done this, it probably wouldn't have became the most prestigious trophy in the award, so, or in the, in college football, I should say. So. <laughs> of course. Now, you know, John Heisman, not only is, you know, he, he was a revolutionist when it came to football. He was somebody who was always pushing the boundaries, trying to, you know, change the game for the better. And he had a lot of really, really, really great contributions to the game itself. Um, one of them, you know, in, in particular, Donnie, was uh, his push to introduce the forward pass as a rule. Yeah, I mean, he worked with Walker, Walter Camp directly. And, you know, we we definitely credit Walter Camp with this innovation. But as you read, Heisman definitely had a lot of influence in this in getting passed and pushed into the game. of Yeah, American he football. pushed for three years for this rule to be implemented for the forward pass. And, you know, he doesn't get as much credit for it because, you know, obviously he wasn't the, the godfather of the idea. But he really thought that it was essential to move the game forward. And, you know, that's why he doesn't necessarily get credited for it. But... Um, he definitely is a huge contributor to it. Um, and the cool thing is, is that when the, um, the committee decided to adopt the forward pass rule, um, word for word, they copied what John Heisman had wrote. So obviously, What's that? Um, as far as what the rules were for the forward pass. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Um, you know, and everything that was involved with it. A couple of other things that were really important that he had a, um, had a huge role in included the shifts before the snap. Um, he was kind of the godfather of that to where, um, you know, somebody would motion. You yeah, know, pulling before. guards in particular for running plays, he was kind of the uh, innovator of you know, single-handedly. Exactly. Um, He also was huge um, in introducing hike or hip uh, before the snap. Um, Well, just snapping the ball in general, he introduced. Yeah. Before they rolled the ball back (laughs) to the quarterback. I read that he had a 6'4 quarterback at the time that 
had a very difficult time picking up the football on the ground, so he figured out a way for the center to actually hike it, throw it through his legs to him. Yeah, and it was a safety thing for him, which I thought, you know, most of the time when these rules, it's to score more points or to spread the field or to give you an advantage. And this was actually a safety thing. He thought that, you know, because of the uncertainty of where the ball was going to roll, if anybody's played with a football, you know that that doesn't just so, roll in one direction. I think it will bounce in any damn direction that you, you know, that you could think of and always goes the opposite way of what you're trying to, you know, anticipate. So you're saying the leather headgear wouldn't have protected you back in the day? (laughs) Probably not. No? Um, But, uh, but yeah, another thing that he had his hand in, um, he led uh, some major efforts to change uh, the halves to quarters. All right. So uh, very, very important. Um, He also invented the hidden ball trick. He did. Yes. The the trick play. Yeah, right? <laughs> you always got to work the rules, right? You know, we're going to score as many points as we possibly can. We're going to, you know, manipulate the rule book to, to, to our advantage, which anybody should do in any circumstance, you know, to, to give you the best advantage and the best opportunity to win any sort of game. So, um, and he was uh, finally inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1954. And, you know, all those contributions are probably why he's deemed the father of Southern football. And everybody knows, you know, football, football in the South, you know. <laughs> the rules in the South, Tommy. <laughs> you know, only a Southern boy would know that, Donnie. Hey, Friday Night Lights, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Hey, now, for this. now, that's pretty much John Heisman in a, in a nutshell, though, for nutshell for you there, Donnie. But, uh, do you have any last comments that you want to make before I throw a, throw a little question your way? Well, just one last comment. I read something that I thought was pretty cool. Back in 1966, Steve Spurrier won the Heisman, Tommy. And he decided that he would give his trophy to the University of Florida for the university and the student base to enjoy. And uh, Florida was so appreciative of the uh, gesture that they paid to have an an exact replica made of the trophy for Steve Spurrier. And so ever since then, the Heisman Committee has given a trophy to both the player and the school. So I thought that was really cool that Steve Spurrier, his selflessness and being unselfish, you know, to give the the trophy to a school who obviously is going to be able to uh, appreciate it much more. Students are going to walk by it, see it. It's awesome, whatnot, rather than just sitting in his house. That changed the whole tradition in 1966. So yeah, it's, it's pretty, that was pretty cool. cool, right? And that's really cool. Yeah, you know, you always got to give back, right? Exactly. And so, Steve Spurrier, you know, South Carolina coach, Florida Heisman winner, <laughs> the man, <laughs> the myth, the legend, yeah, right? right? So I got I got a question for you, Donnie. So doing all this research, I'm sure you probably like myself ran a ran across a few random facts and, um, you know, different things. So what was the most interesting fact that you found out about the Heisman? I mean, honestly, the most interesting thing to me is something that we already mentioned, and that's just the fact that some random dude posed for the Heisman Trophy because <laughs> I, I don't know why. I just always assumed that it might have been John Heisman or perhaps the first Heisman Trophy winner, but... Yeah, just the fact that some random dude, and then the fact that he went 40-something years before he even knew that he was the face of the, you know, most prestigious honor in college college football besides the national title. That's pretty wild. Like, right. how you go that long without knowing it, like, 
hey, I made that pose at one point. It's not like this. It's not like the Heisman Trophy was kept a secret the way that it looked. You know, yeah, what I mean? at some point you would have thought that he would have been like, oh, I I did that one time. <laughs> he didn't see it on Facebook or Instagram one time. <laughs> Probably not back in the eighties, but uh, oh. but yeah. So the the most interesting thing that Wait, I found fi- out about the about the entire thing was that there were only two tight ends who have ever won the trophy: Larry Kelly and Leon Hart. Um, there's only Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, yeah, no, wait, Leon Kelly, <laughs> <laughs> Larry Kelly, um, Desmond Howard and Tim Brown are the only wide receivers to win the award. And there's only been one person ever to win the award as a defensive player, um, who was Charles Woodson and Charles Woodson won the award as a defensive back kick returner. And he sometimes played as a wide receiver in Michigan, but, uh, it was pretty, pretty amazing to me to, to see that m- the majority of the winners were either quarterbacks or running backs and, and not who, surprising but again the fact that over such a long period of time there was only you know five play five position players outside of those two um who are really other than the quarterback or running back yeah i mean there yeah. have been other players who have won but um, well they're they're the biggest game changers obviously of, of course of course and it just shows that and they get the ball in their hands half the time yeah so kiddos if you're listening to this if you want to be a heisman winner don't be a tight end don't right? be a receiver <laughs> don't play defense either play quarterback yeah <laughs> so who's the only person to win it twice the only person to win it twice was oh i know this answer who was it archie griffin bro. archie Someone. griffin yeah you're right yeah they'll you're never right. give it twice it's like that it's like the pie in the sky type thing now, right? Yeah, and we uh, we teased it a little bit earlier, um, but I have to I have to mention it now because we teased it. Uh, the only uh, the first two players to receive the award who were from the same school actually were from Yale in in the thirty six and thirty seven Heisman winners. Oh, leave it to the Ivy Leagues. Leave it yeah. to the Ivy Leagues, well, right? God now it wasn't the same position like Baker Mayfield. And uh, Murray this year, but um, nonetheless, you had two guys from Yale win the award in 36 and 37, back-to-back, which is pretty cool. Hell yeah. Nice. Well, I think that's a good way to wrap it up. This was... It was awesome getting back in the stew, you know, cooking up some beets. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, for real, though, Tommy and I are so excited to be back. Check us out on bellyupsports.com. We are going to be affiliated with them. We're going to be writing weekly articles. Either Tommy or myself are going to be publishing an article weekly. Check it out. Going to be doing a little bit more work for you listeners. So, uh, Yeah, we're definitely excited. We're definitely ready to rock and roll. Again, we super apologize about the hiatus. I know that there was a ton of you guys out there really excited to see the you know, episodes released. But uh, from this point on, we're going to be on a very consistent schedule for you guys. We're going to be contributing a lot more to the podcast community, the sports community, bellyupsports.com. Thank you for affiliating us with you guys. And uh, we just appreciate all the listens. Again, if you need anything from us, send us an email at tahosepodcast at gmail.com or leave us a review on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, or CastBox, anywhere you get your podcast, really. Exactly. We love you all. Appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. 